Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Gremling. I am joined by Connor Orr of the Weak Side Podcast. I had a little curveball for everyone because Jenny's been doing it for the past two months, but Connor is Connor's back for some, uh, we're going to do some Super Bowl fun. We're going to do some uh, uh, Matthew Stafford trade and the impact on uh, Deshaun Watson. This is going to be a, this is a show just chock full of stuff. Just when you thought you were going to continue to get sound analysis from Jenny in a, in a well-reported sense, curveball, screw you guys, Connor, and he's just going to say whatever comes to the top of his head. Just, just scorching hot takes. <laughs> get ready. It's going to be a four-hour show. Woo. No, actually, we don't know how long. It could be a four-hour show. We'll see how it goes. We're, uh, we're going to start this one, though, uh, with the Super Bowl. They're going to play it on Sunday, and, and we are going to cover it all week at the MMQB. But, uh, I mean, look, the, the storyline, for good reason, is a lot of Mahomes versus Brady stuff. I, I'm sure you'll see plenty of that, and, and we can we can touch on Tom Brady in just a little bit. But uh, there is an air around Patrick Mahomes of invincibility, and rightfully so. He has earned that, and it is, uh, uh, it's just the way it seems it's going to be for the next 12 years of our lives or so. But uh, if you look at what the Bucks have done in the postseason, 
I don't want to take a ton away from their offense, but I also want to take a ton away from their offense because it's been it's been Todd Bowles doing a lot of the heavy lifting and that unit. Yeah, I mean, he's been incredible, and I think that the mark of a good coach is how how, ma- how many variables you can throw in to your defense, especially down the stretch. Like, we saw really good defensive coordinators, Don Martindale, Sean McDermott, and Bowles would be the third that's in the playoffs that I would count as sort of the elite defensive coordinators that were left or, um, you know, were in there at the beginning of the playoffs. And the way that they changed what they were doing, like you know the i think it was the bills went from you know uh, largely a man team to almost a totally his own team against baltimore and then that resulted in that great pick six of lamar jackson tampa's doing that too but with a ton of variation on the coverage front and i think it's really interesting to see um you know how much movement they can get. I mean, you know, they're throwing a lot of man, they're throwing a lot of cover one, cover two, and it's almost evenly divided to the point where, and I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes has a weakness, but if you would talk to people after the rookie year, um, after the second year, it was always like, okay, well, this is the one thing that he's got to iron out still, you know, identifying defenses, um, working his way around this stuff and getting better. I, I think that maybe, you know, it, it's not like it's the blueprint, but it's like, okay, maybe changing coverages and diversifying your look so much to the point where it's almost painful and irresponsible for a defense to do it is the one thing that people haven't tried to uh, to do to beat him and I think Tampa Bay's got that institutional ability to do that yeah they have a they have those big corners so presumably you can win early in the down it's you well, we say that we, we know how good Tyreek is on uh, on releases and we saw what Travis Kelsey does to teams where they don't make it difficult for him to get off the line of scrimmage but uh I guess that's kind of the thing with Mahomes And he doesn't, again, this isn't really a weakness, but Mahomes is better when he gets late into the down. I mean, that's, he's spectacular in all phases, but if he gets late into the down, you're in trouble. So uh, not only can you sort of, uh, you know, make life difficult for him early in the down with those sort of, you know, uh, versatile, wide range of coverages, but uh, you're going to have two backup tackles in the game for the Chiefs. You have a couple of edge rushers who can dominate in Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. We saw that in the in the NFC title game. Uh, maybe, maybe you have the solution here for Patrick Mahomes. And pass rush is such, uh, you know, I mean, we overrated, I think, during the regular season and then underrated during the postseason. And it, and it almost seems to be the guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, guys who have been around for a while um, and just can can pick off that matchup. Like, I remember even going back to the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl when Dwight Freeney was there and thinking about writing about Dwight Freeney that day because he was just abusing, I think at the time, the Patriots uh, maybe had a backup in there somewhere and just picking that matchup and exploiting it over and over and over again. And it can ruin a Super Bowl for you. And I think that that's really the thing that, you know, as much as we've talked about Kansas City's backup offensive lineman going into it, I think that we're we're still not, we're still underplaying it, right? I think we're going to get into the first quarter and say, holy crap, like Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett are in the backfield on every single snap, and it's making life really difficult. 
Michael from Mahomes, who, um, you know, like a more far more mobile and arm talented Ben Roethlisberger, you know, like you said, makes better things happen the longer he can stay back there. And I think that they're going to eliminate a lot of this. It's going to be a lot of quick throws. This might be his lowest snap to throw time all season, I would imagine. So. I don't root for anyone in the Super Bowl. I just root for excitement and, and some that entertain me for the, the four hours that this game will go on. But uh, I'm kind of pulling for Mike Remmers because last time we saw Mike Remmers uh, in the Super Bowl, it was Super Bowl 50, and he was just, uh, I mean, he was he was the Washington Generals to Von Miller's Harlem Globetrotters. It was just complete dominance. Uh, Remmers gets the start at left tackle in this game. He had been playing some right tackle in, in, uh, in, in the stead of Mitchell Schwartz, and with Eric Fisher out, he gets a shot at left tackle here. Uh, and again, you, you don't have to do... Patrick Mahomes is in the sitting duck. You don't necessarily have to win and dominate on every snap. If you're Mike Remmers, you just need to just need to be just good enough here. And I, you know, I think maybe he can be just good enough. But is it is the one thing, right? If you talk to any offensive coordinator, any offensive line coach, any tight end coach, it's the one thing that you can't make up for by borrowing from something else, right? If your yeah. tackle sucks and is getting clubbed. There's nothing else you can do. You are, you know, on an island for that entire the entirety of that game. And it, you know, I mean, you can, you know, you can bring help and protection and all that kind of stuff. But you know, you're you're obviously you're not going to be able to run the game plan that you wanted to run. And so, you know, there's so much pressure on 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 Remmers, and it's incredible. And I don't root for anybody either um, in the Super Bowl. But I will say the one time that I wrote, rooted for an occurrence, it did happen. Um, when uh, 2013, the Seahawks and the Broncos, I was covering uh, the Super Bowl for a paper in New Jersey called the Star Ledger, and um, I was writing the page once, like the Super Bowl game story that was going to mm-hmm. appear on the front page of the paper. So we had a deadline, um, like at the end of the third quarter or the start of the fourth quarter for the first edition, the story had to be in. And so all I kept thinking in my head was, please let the Seahawks win in a blowout because (laughs) the Broncos had a ton of players from New Jersey and that would have complicated the game story and um and a close game would have complicated the game story and lo and behold like a quarter in I was like I got this I can start writing this is fantastic local man loses Super Bowl that's uh (laughs) that was the headline I believe uh yeah yeah, it's uh as far as the other side of the ball goes here look I'm not crazy about this Bucks offense. I don't think they have provided a, a whole lot of answers for for poor Tom Brady, who just can't catch a break at this point in his life. But um, <laughs> the play that I felt was most indicative of uh, of sort of the Bucks, I don't know, offensive problems and the way they sounds the, the way they find solutions here is uh, you remember the NFC title game that long pass to uh, Chris Godwin. Uh, up the mm-hmm. seam where it was just kind of like okay they they don't have routes that were going to beat the coverage uh it ended up godwin running against the free safety in the middle of the field and brady just said uh ah, well i guess i'll chuck it off and see what happens and godwin pulls in a 50 yard catch and that's that's kind of how it that's kind of how it works it's just every once in a while they have too much talent for the other team to handle uh when we saw these teams meet before it was sort of relentless blitzing here by the chiefs uh I think there is 
I do, number one, I think that's going to happen again. Number two, I think there is something to be said for the people who kind of say, you know, Tom Brady doesn't like getting hit. No one likes taking a hit, but Tom Brady sort of gets affected by getting hit a lot. Uh, but I also think there's something to be said for when it's the last game of the season. And that sort of, uh, that becomes less of a factor, I think. The the cumulative hits. I, I think uh, uh, if Eli Manning taught us anything, it's that a quarterback is going to maybe uh, work later into the down than, than he would usually uh, during the regular season if he was getting hit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that there's just, you know, because of Tom Brady, I think we lose sight generally of the skill level of the offense and I think that I mean the Buccaneers were not a better offensive team than the Titans this year they were not a better offensive team than the Packers or the Bills Um, you know I guess they're they're kind of like the Browns with a, a slightly better passing game slightly more efficient passing game and that's that's kind of how they were doing it this year with like you said individual matchups um but i i don't think you know there's a couple things i don't think that the chiefs are going to make the kind of horrendous mistakes defensively that green bay did that allowed them to to do what they did um i think tyran matthew is a guy who's going to completely change kind of the specter of this and he can do a lot and i think steve spagnola will have him in a weird spot that will at least try to throw tampa bay off their game here and i don't know i i just think uh like you said i'm i'm not blown away by this offense uh maybe they're playing this uh, they'll play this like on a loop all week right that you know just the two of us saying that we don't think that they're very good but yeah i don't know i i Everything about the game coming to this point, except for the Chiefs' offensive tackles, leads me to believe that the Chiefs are going to win. Like I'm, I'm having a, I'm, I'm not having a, the easiest time digesting like uh, Tampa Bay scoring 33 or 34 points in this game. It's uh, and Jenny and I discussed it last week. It feels like if the Bucks win it, it's going to be stylistically similar to like the Giants' victories over the Patriots, yep. where mm-hmm. pass rush takes over, you end up getting and and I think it will to an extent, but kind of like you said, I I still even if the Chiefs tackles struggle, even if the Bucks get consistent pressure with the edge guys, um, I still think Patrick Mahomes comes up with more answers than Tom Brady does in a game where where neither quarterback really. Um, you know, or I should say, in the scenario where neither quarterback has a, a whole lot of answers as far as a supporting cast and scheme goes, uh, the I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I, I guess the other thing is it's like <sighs> there's just nowhere to go for Brady. I mean, it, you know, if, if the pass rush is going to get there, uh, that's it. If, if the Chiefs pass rush wins, so do you end up seeing a Bucks game plan where they just try and run the ball 40 times and just sort of try to hang in and it ends up feeling like, uh, I think the most disappointing game for me this season was uh, uh, when the Bills went up against uh, the Chiefs and ended up having the ball for only like 20 minutes. Is it going to be that kind of game where uh, basically it's it's clock keeps running, neither team puts up a lot of points, and in the end it's like, I don't know. 27 to 17 and the chiefs have won well i think like we 
like the entire football world at large uh, knows in their hearts this is going to be a Leonard Fournette Le'Veon Bell football game you know like that's <laughs> that's what it's all about you know uh, is is boring plotting running backs uh, averaging three and a half or four yards of carry but I I, t- I I totally agree. I, I think this could be the Giants Super Bowl all over again. It could come down to one or two definitive throws from Patrick Mahomes. And the other thing here, too, is to consider how bad the Buccaneers have looked on the, at their worst during the season versus how bad the Chiefs have looked at their worst this season. And it's not even close, right? At their worst, the Buccaneers looked like one of the worst teams in the league. Like there were games, like especially against the their two games against the Saints where they looked so out of sorts and, you know, they were so knocked off their game plan that it was almost like they couldn't come back. Um, whereas the Chiefs have been sort of like sleepwalking through half of these games that were moderately competitive. And, you know, to the point where I think it was Tony Romo pointed it out are like running the same third down play every time. Like, you yeah, know, there's like, they're just, and they're just daring you to stop it. Nobody has an answer. And, you know, so I don't think you need to see the full, uh, the full hundred percent sprint from them yet. And, and that's, that's sort of something else that we haven't talked a lot about is like, do you think Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are just, you know, going through this season saying, "Now nah, we don't have to come up with something new"? I mean, you know, th- there's there's going to be a ton of shit that we haven't seen from them all year that's just going to be plastered all over the Super Bowl. I mean, in the 49ers Super Bowl, they were running like Utah Urban Meyer sprint option during that game, like it was nuts. And I think that we're obviously in line for something like that too. It's uh, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, the last couple years we've seen. You know, something of advantage for the defense when it comes to the two weeks of preparation, but uh, I don't know. Todd Bowles might come up with something really good in this one, and uh, and we'll all be surprised. But uh, yeah, uh, what's what's your should, should we do should we do game picks? Are you ready to unveil a game pick? We I guess we have to on the MMQB site during the week. Sure. Yeah, I've been letting my. Um this will be good because I'll do it here, and then I've been letting my daughter pick the games since. Uh, well, since the entire playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she wanted the Packers to win. She likes the color green, so it was a tough week last week. But, um, yeah, no, I I don't know. There's there's a part of me, This there's what I want to happen, and then there's a part of me that, like, what I fear will happen deep down into my heart. So that's what I'm going to go with. E- even though I just spent the last 10 minutes trashing the Bucks. I'm going to take I'm going to take the Bucks 20, oh, 28 to 27. Um, All right, and because it, it comes down to undigestible narratives for me, you know, like uh, a lot of times I'll go to a game, a big game, and just be like, "God, it would really suck if this happened," you know. And we just have to like, because you root for good stories, right? You root for interesting stories, and the least interesting story to me is the continuation of one man's greatness, you know. But that might be exactly what we're gonna get, you know. I'm uh I'm just gonna go twenty seven nineteen Chiefs. And that's uh that's the end of that. I mean that's Remmers Remmers MVP. God, Remmers MVP. <laughs> Somebody Beautiful. have the stones three. to vote for an off backup offensive <laughs> tackle for three the MVP. Tac- three tackle eligible touchdowns for Mike Remmers. <laughs> uh I, I tell this all the time, and, and people just get mad at me when I tell it. Uh, I, the only Super Bowl I covered live was Super Bowl Forty, and I, uh, I I voted for Chris Gardaki 
as MVP that game. <laughs> and as you all remember, that was that was not a beautiful football game. I mean, Heinz Ward won MVP, and and I do love Heinz Ward, but uh, I mean, he, he had a couple of drops in that game. It was just it was just kind of bad football on both sides. I, legitimately, I thought Antoine Randall was the MVP of that game, but uh, that's fair. I, I cast my vote for Gardaki. My only uh, MVP vote was. Um, the, during the Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl, it was uh, who's that outside linebacker for the Seahawks that had like a fumble recovery and an interception in oh, that, that game? Was that Mal- Malcolm, Malcolm Smith? Malcolm Smith, yeah. And I think he won MVP, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he was he the did. Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, you were you were on the winning side. Yeah, but then as soon as I turned the card in, like you know, I was sitting next to like you know three people who uh, at the time were enjoying when Pro Football Focus was totally free back in the golden golden days, and they're just like, <laughs> just like obviously it was Richard Sherman because he created the coverage, and I was just like, shut up, you know, yeah. like, there's nothing you could do about that, you know. <laughs> it's sorry, Richard, but yeah, you probably deserved it, but I just you know. It's also when when did you have to turn your ballot in? It was like the third quarter. It was like yeah. the middle of the third quarter, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, that game, we knew that the Super Bowl was over. I mean, this, that Super Bowl was over uh, like midway through the second quarter. But, um, you know, I, I think I remember sitting near people who had votes in the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year, and it was like, who, who did you vote for? Uh, yeah. You know, I think there was, wasn't there a time where it, was, it could have been like Debo Samuel at some point? Like, you know, I, I, I maybe. Maybe I'm misremembering, you know. It's but, always so weird. I, I, I remember I, I'd interviewed Dion Branch, who who won uh, was at Super Bowl thirty nine MVP when the Patriots beat the Eagles, and he was on the story. He's like on the sideline, and you know, like the the whatever the 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 pickup truck handlers or whatever it is are like approaching him and being like, "Hey, if you guys win, you're MVP." And he's like, "But the game's like." halfway through the fourth quarter what if we don't win and they're like ah, don't worry about it he's like what if they go to overtime and he's like yeah don't sweat it <laughs> like it's it's gonna be you there's nothing so, we can do about it yeah yep that's amazing all right connor hang on one second because it is time for the si fantasy segment presented as always by DraftKings. i am joined by michael fabiano as i am every monday Michael Fabiano of SI.com slash fantasy, the SI Fantasy Podcast. And uh and Fabs, we have we have quarterback movement to talk about. Yeah, man. Like the offseason uh projected to be huge. And the offseason couldn't even wait for the offseason, right? <laughs> We're still a week away here, a little bit less than a week away from the Super Bowl, and we had that huge trade. Matthew Stafford going to the LA Rams. And I had I had written an article about the teams that I'd like to see. Stafford end up on from a fantasy perspective. The Rams were not on that list because I didn't think they were going to get anybody to take that contract of Mm -hmm. Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's why they had to ultimately overpay and give, you know, two future firsts, a third and Goff to get Stafford. I wonder what Houston will want for Deshaun Watson at this point, if they do decide to ultimately trade him, but Stafford going to the Rams is a good thing from a fantasy perspective. He is certainly an upgrade over Jared Goff, who I, I've just not been a fan of. His fantasy points have dropped in three straight seasons. He's just not a good quarterback. He's 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 okay. Mm-hmm. He's just not a good quarterback. He had that one really good season, and then the Rams, well, it was not the best move to give him that extension, um, and they paid for it, uh, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> but you got Stafford, who's going to be 33 when the season starts. I think he actually turns 33 uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I think his birthday is February. Yeah, but, that is true. But he, um, he's he's had a lot of success in the National Football League as it pertains to fantasy football. 
he had a nice stretch where he was a top 10 quarterback every single season. Uh, since 2011, uh, he's finished as a top 10 player six times. And it might have been seven if for not the back injury in 2019 when he was averaging 20 points per game in the first eight games. He, he was very good. Now, is he is he an elite quarterback? I mean, no. Is this going to vault him into the same stratosphere as Kyler and Mahomes? And you know, no, of course not. But I think his his value is certainly better than it would have been in Detroit if he had stayed with the Lions for another year. There, there's now the potential for him to be a top twelve quarterback at the end of twenty twenty one. I can absolutely see that happening. So Stafford's value goes up. I don't. I mean, it's good for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Woods was the wide receiver twelve last year. Like, yeah, how, how much higher is he going to go? Like, maybe Cup sees an increase because he wasn't as good. But he, you know, he was banged up too. He had he was he had he had a up and down season. So maybe maybe this is you know Cup will rise back into maybe not wide receiver one territory, but more into wide receiver two. Uh, could be for good for Tyler Higby. Gerald Everett's a free agent, but Higby's still not going to be drafted as more than a, a tight end too. And at running back with Cam Akers, we already loved him. And now you give him a quarterback who will take a little bit of of the defensive pressure off of him. You're not going to see many stacked lines with Stafford under center and the threat of that passing game. And maybe Akers sees some more opportunities as a pass catcher. And what should be a far more high-scoring offense than it was this past season. This past season – the Rams barely averaged over two touchdowns per game on the offensive side of the football, which was yeah. uh, which was the worst under McVay. No, I mean only twenty receiving touchdowns here. It's funny you mentioned Robert Woods. I was like, wow, he he was that high, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he had a he good only, season. Yeah, he he only had six touchdowns though. I mean, you could you could PPR. maybe see that jump up to ten. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to get to ten. They have a lot of miles to feed in that offense. Like in they Detroit, do. they do in Detroit. You know. For years, all you had was Calvin Johnson mm-hmm. and Kenny Galladay. And Marvin Jones was very good in the second half of last season. Overall, he was he was up and down, but the second half of last season, he was he was really, really good. So uh, Stafford has, has been there and, and helped produce some really good wide receivers from a fantasy perspective. And I could see Woods finishing top 15. I could see Cup finishing top 25, maybe better, maybe top 20. And Akers is going to be a second or third round pick across the board. And Stafford is, to me, that what, what people will, you know, because people are going to ultimately poop on, you know, the trade. He hasn't done well in the playoffs. Well, <laughs> he played for the Lions, folks. Mm. Don't get, he played for the Lions. <laughs> and this is an upgrade over Jared Goff. And I would suggest that something happened between McVay and Goff. I don't know what it was. But they were all in together, looking like bosom buddies going into the season. And McVay couldn't wait to get rid of him by the end of the 2020 campaign. After they got knocked out by the Packers, the only thing you heard, quarterback competition, John Wolford, who played, what, in the uh, the Alliance League? Whatever. Like, the that Alliance guy was going to be the competition? Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, come on. So, so there you go. I mean, but, Stafford has to beat out Wolford now, I guess, is the first step. Think, and, then, yeah, and then we'll see. And then for Detroit, that offense is like loaded with question marks. Mm. Can can Anthony Lynn fix Jared Goff? I don't know about that. Here's, 
here's what you're looking at. Kenny Galladay is a free agent. Marvin Jones is a free agent. I talked to Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press on my show last week, and he said he doesn't think Marvin Jones is going to be back. Mm-hmm. Danny Amendola is a free agent. I think Mohamed Sanu, although he's not really relevant at, uh, in fantasy anymore, is also a free agent. So I don't know who Goff's throwing the football to. You know, Galladay could be re-signed or tagged. We're going to find out. Hawkinson is going to be Hawkinson. I don't think there's any question about that. He'll still be one of the better tight ends in fantasy football. And DeAndre Swift should see a bigger role in the offense. Remember, of course, Anthony Lynn, Deuce Staley's there now. They're going to run the football. If anything, this could help Swift in terms of his pass-catching numbers. Yep. Because my guess is that the Lions, who are ultimately forever rebuilding, are rebuilding again, and they're going to be behind a lot of games. And Goff could – and there, there, there's going to be games where Goff has great numbers at the end of the game. Aided by garbage time points mm-hmm. because the Lions are going to have to throw the football a lot. He's in a division with Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that you know, the, those offenses are going to produce Chicago. Who knows at this point? I don't know what's going on with Galladay. If he stays, he's not going to be a top 10 wide receiver. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. He's going to be drafted as a wide receiver too, mm-hmm. which he should be. And, and, and I feel like the, the most valuable player in that offense is going to be Swift regardless. And Swift, maybe again, Garbage time, potentially game scripted into catching the ball out of the backfield a little bit more often. Goff's not going to be drafted in most leagues. He's not going to be drafted in most leagues. And and, and that's – if you think about what he did a couple of seasons ago when he just went bananas, uh, it, it's been a very swift fall from grace, no pun intended. Boy, yeah, the uh, the Galladay thing's a bummer. And uh, Marvin Jones, I know a couple of people floated this on Twitter. Jones and Stafford are very close, so maybe Marvin Jones takes uh, some of the discount to go reconnect with the. Uh, well, we wouldn't uh, want that in fantasy. We, <laughs> we, yeah, we are. Yeah. We already we already got Jefferson and Cup and Woods. Yep. Oh, we're good. We're good. Listen, Stafford gets to connect with his pal Clayton Kershaw. That's it. You're done. No more friends. <laughs> If you want a deep threat, get Clayton Kershaw. Otherwise, I mean, geez, Louise, and you went from Detroit to Los Angeles. That's it. It doesn't get much better than that. Imagine golf. You go from the L.A., the glitz and the glamour, and now you got to go to Detroit. And I love Detroit, went, man. Have, I, I, downtown Detroit's beautiful. <laughs> I, I've only been to Detroit once. It was for Super Bowl Forty. Yep. Yes, Seattle, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. The weather was horrible. Which, of course, it's going to be at that time of the year in Detroit. And I remember it's the only time I've ever been to Detroit. And the only thing I remember outside of the weather was that there was a church on every street corner, seemingly. Every street corner, there was okay. a church. Yeah, it was it was odd. But right. that I, I could share some other stories off- offline with you about that Super Bowl. <laughs> but um, Goff, Goff was the scapegoat, man. McVay made him a scapegoat. And my offense isn't working right? Ain't me. Got to be the quarterback, and now he's out. Lots of uh, lots of questions will be answered here this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we might have other quarterbacks moving around. We know Deshaun Watson yeah. wants wants out of Houston uh, quite badly. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you have a do you have a wish list of of uh, of who lands where? What we're looking at here? Stafford. Uh, I guess if if I knew the Rams were going to be in play, because I knew they were going to be. Interested. I just didn't think they were going to give up two ones, a three, and a player, and be able to rid themselves of golf. So in that, you know, in that scenario, it's it's good for them. They're not going to have a draft pick in the first round until 2024, though, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm going to be 51. Holy cow! 
I'm getting old, dude. <laughs> the next time the Rams have a pick in the first round, I'm going to be in my 50s. Where's my AARP card? So Watson, ultimately, the best case scenario for him is two things. One, stay in Houston. Two, go to San Francisco. And, and the, the Jets, I'm like, I know everyone's talking about the Jets, but they don't have anything right now. And they've got a lot of money to spend. So if they bring in Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay and they draft well, yeah, then Watson will have some weapons. I mean, the Jets don't have anything right now. I mean, they have Jameson Crowder, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I'm talking about as the rosters are constructed right now. Staying in Houston, bringing back Will Fuller, that'd be fine for me. Because mm-hmm. Houston doesn't want to trade him. They don't. John McClain said that on my program a couple of weeks ago. He's like, under no circumstances, the Texans going to trade him. Well, if Stafford got you two ones and a three and a quarterback, what the hell's Watson going to cost? Four ones? I don't know. It's going to be expensive. So I'd like to see Watson either stay in Houston or go to San Francisco. Ultimately, now New Orleans, I'd like to see Taysom Hill remain the quarterback and you have seen reports of that Jameis could be the guy, but he's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Either way, I think it's going to be Jameis or, or Taysom Hill now in, in New Orleans. And Jameis would be better for the players around him. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Taysom would be better for the quarterback position overall because of his skills as a runner. In Washington, that was a team that I thought Stafford w- could, could be a nice fit for. Do they ultimately bring in Cam Newton and draft a quarterback? And so Cam's the bridge. He knows the offense. Ron Rivera has the connection. I mean, that's that's going to be bantied about all over the place. Are the Eagles going to trade? I would love to see the Eagles trade Carson Wentz to the Colts. Yeah. Back with Frank Reich. I don't know if they're going to do it because of the additions that they made to the coaching staff. It seems like there's the, 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 the sign is, well, they're going to try to fix Wentz. But, dude, Jalen Hurts is good. And fantasy is very good. And mm-hmm. I would think, again, I don't know for sure, but I, I wouldn't think that the Eagles players would be very disappointed if Jalen Hurts was their quarterback next season. I think he brought a little excitement to the offense. So if I had my way there, I'd love to see Wentz get dealt somehow. Hey, if the Lions are going to pick up that crappy, gigantic contract of Jared Goff, I mean, maybe Wentz can get traded despite the big contract. He's a better player than Goff. So that would be that would be good if – if Washington doesn't get Cam, Jameis would be a good fit there too. Put Jameis with Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas and, and Antonio Gibson and, and J.D. McKissick. That'd be pretty good, mm-hmm. right? I mean, just for again for for the the purposes of statistical success, Winston's going to throw the ball a ton, so that that could also be something that's in the cards. I was, I, I hope Ryan Fitzpatrick goes somewhere that he's going to get a chance to start. That'd be great. I was like actually joking around that maybe going to LA would be great, like the Rams. And then yeah. he'd take the job yeah. from Goff and you know, he'd be the, the hero, or whatever. But the quarterback position is going to be interesting, man. I mean, not only that, like are the Cowboys going to bring back Dak? I would think they will. Mm-hmm. It's 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 gonna be fun. And it's already started. Yeah, I was gonna say we all we all etched Dak into the Cowboys roster, uh, probably basically every day for the past two years and now it's kind of like well yeah 99.999 percent chance he's back but look what's going on maybe maybe he gets out of there yeah listen the cowboys sorry sorry to bring it up fabs they don't make the best personnel decisions uh oftentimes (laughs) so yeah i i I, we're not going to win another super bowl with jerry jones in charge of things just it sucks but i mean truth is the truth bro 
your team hadn't won jack nothing without jimmy johnson bottom line there you go there you bottom go line all right fabs we will have you back next week for the post super bowl show Can't uh wait. And yeah, I mean, si.com slash fantasy, si fantasy podcast. There's going to be stuff going on. There's, there's, yeah, dude. there's plenty I've, coming down the pike here. I've got my 101 fun fantasy facts that are up on the site right now. I'll have my player rankings for 2021 way too early. Mm-hmm. They'll be up on the site this week. Never I'm also going to have my 55 fun Super Bowl fantasy facts. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want a quick preview of that? Yes. Yes, I All do. Right. Okay. Let me see if I can get to something here. Let's see. Uh, let's see here. I've got to go back to doing a little bit of research. Six quarterbacks, uh, not counting last season. Six quarterbacks have thrown four-plus touchdown passes in a single Super Bowl. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Terry Bradshaw, and Doug Williams. Uh, of those players, Williams is the only one who's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. How about that one? Yeah. Most most fantasy points scored in the Super Bowl combined, you know it's Tom Brady. That's easy. That that's pretty pretty easy. Can you guess who number 2 is? It's pretty obvious. Think about it. I mean, I'd say Montana. No. Jerry Rice? Jerry Rice. Yeah. That's right. Montana is just ahead of Rice. Montana's had 112.2 fantasy points in Super Bowls. Rice has had 122.7. All right. This this one will this one will will maybe not shock you, but it's not the first name you'll think of. Which running back has scored the most fantasy points combined in the Super Bowl? Combined all games. Uh, so it's got to be someone who was there a bunch of times. I, I'll give you a hint. Not, not a patriot. It's PPR. Remember yep. PPR. Yep. That's important. This this running back was in the Super Bowl three times. With the same team, uh, and was a teammate of the two players you just mentioned, Montana oh and Rice. Oh, Montana and Rice. I was thinking Patriots. Uh, Roger Craig. It's got to be. Boom. Yeah. Yep. Eighty-five combined fantasy points. I was about to guess Thurman Thomas since he appeared in four Super Bowls, but uh, Thurman Thomas, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, has the most total touchdowns. Uh, actually, excuse me. Emmett Smith has the most total touchdowns among running backs in the Super Bowl. Thurman Thomas is tied for second with four. All right. And you know who's also tied in that group of running backs with four touchdowns in the Super Bowl? I'm hoping at some point Timmy Smith comes up on this list. I don't it think he had not. four in that game. He had two, I think. It is not. But. Emmett had five. Yep. Roger Craig, four. Thurman Thomas, four. Franco Harris, four. James White. Oh my goodness! I was about to say Legarrette Blunt, but James White. White. James White has got four touchdowns in the Super Bowl. How about that, man? Right. One more. One more before we uh, before I let you go, or you let me go, because this is fun. And Jerry Rice. I mean, he's just so dominant in the in the Super Bowls. I mean, like he he holds every record. So Jerry Rice leads all wide receivers in Super Bowl catches with twenty eight. Who's second? Now think about it. It's a guy who had to play in a lot of Super Bowls for the same team. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Andre Reed. Oh, you are good. Yeah. You I are mean, I, good. I was already down the Thurman Thomas path, so it wasn't a, it was a huge leap. You are good. Yes, 27. 
Dion Branch and Julian Edelman <laughs> are tied for third with 24. You know who's fifth? Danny Amendola. Oh, my goodness. Danny Amendola's got 21 catches in Super Bowl. That's crazy. And when dude. he goes back with golf and the Lions next year, he has a chance yeah, to do it. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Man, that's that's uh, that's great stuff there, Fabs. I look forward to the entire list, and uh, we didn't yep. spoil too much of it. I mean, it no. was, well, that, no, that was like that was what fourteen percent of it, plenty more. And I'm going fifty-five because Super Bowl fifty-five. So we'll uh, we'll have that up on the site. Also, uh, I have my Matthew Stafford breakdown that'll be up on the site uh, very very shortly. So we we've got we've got a lot of stuff, and don't forget, not just football, not just football. We got it all: baseball, Baseball's basketball, hockey, yeah. horse racing. You name it, UFC, all our guys are all over it. Yep, there you go. All right, Fabs, we will see you on Monday, but uh, you folks out there, you can see him all week. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we've uh, we've got an NFL trade to discuss, Connor. Matthew Stafford is going to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff. We'll get to the line side of it in a second, but I don't know. What, what was just your kind of gut reaction here? Uh, number one, we'll start with... We'll start with the with the pure the pure football angle of Matthew Stafford joining the Rams, and then we'll get into some of the bigger picture stuff with with how the Rams are are managing themselves these days. I think this is going to be one of the most revelatory trades of our of our time covering like modern times covering football, right? Because what has the narrative been on Matthew Stafford since he entered the league? He's playing for a bad franchise, um, and. What has the narrative been about Sean McVay is that he is minus one quarterback away from fully realizing his genius potential. Mm. And I love the idea of it's almost like when when Brady went to the Bucks this year and you're forced to push all your chips to the middle of the table on a narrative like who is more important, Brady or Belichick? <laughs> and even though that's a dumb argument like this is. Is Sean McVay really as good as we think he is? And is Matt Stafford really as good as we think he is? And I think that both of those things are going to come to fruition in a way that, like, I mean, they have to win the Super Bowl. There's no other option for them at this point. And they just lost their most important piece, which is Brandon Staley, their defensive coordinator. So they have to do all this without him, um, make it to the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford's got to be phenomenal, or else you're just like... Uh, you're like the falling guy in the Madman opening credits, just like uh, about to drown in the <laughs> the entirety of your debt uh, for the remainder of your life, which is a scary thing. So no one, no one wants to be that guy. What? Uh, <laughs> because I want this to work very badly, and I want to start making excuses right now. But uh, what if it was a scenario where uh, you know the Rams end up becoming like a, a top five offense in DVOA? Like it, the offense fulfills everything, but the defense, which was great last year. Year. with the loss of Brandon Staley they slide back uh they end up being you know bottom third of the league and whatever it is and then this ends up a, a 10 and 6 9 and 7 type team and I mean look they still they play in the NFC West where everyone is uh just Super Bowl ready except for me and the Cardinals yeah and I so I understand all the I understand all the whys I understand you know all that stuff um and you know I I'm not one of these people that thinks that 
I don't think you made a mistake, right? If you're playing Madden, this makes sense. Matthew Stafford is an upgrade. He's going to make your offense better. The question is, does the betterness, does that, you know, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like a medium to medium plus upgrade push you over the edge. Like if they had Matthew Stafford, were they beating the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs this year? Um, And then were they winning that next game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I, I don't think so. You know, but uh, but we'll see. I don't know. I've uh, I, I've learned not to doubt Sean McVay too. So it's uh, I I think two things with Stafford here. One, we know the way he he can stress a team, uh, stress a defense both vertically and horizontally is not something you quite had with Goff. Once that sort of I, I mean that first year with Goff, those sort of deep crossers, those deep over routes they they'd have that were just hitting again and again, uh, those just kind of went away. Uh, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Uh, I know the screen game sort of dried up a little bit. I think losing Roger Saffold, who was so good in that area, mm-hmm. had a lot to do with that. Huge. But, um, it just, it never looked like it looked. And I don't want to say Jared Goff was, uh, you know, Patrick Holmes. Obviously, he had a really good sporting cast, really good play calling. But it, they just, like, stopped calling those plays. And it always kind of... Um, always kind of confused and disappointed me. I thought what they did last year was neat with a lot of the horizontal stuff they did, but uh, it's just kind of limited when it's all said and done. And at some point, you just need that big downfield play. Um, as a, as you know, Connor, our uh, our old dear friend Andy Benoit, uh, former member of this podcast. Uh, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets when I say he is uh, he has been close to Sean McVay over the years. Um, they, they discuss things every once in a while. One interesting thing Andy brought up last year around the draft was I kind of said, look at this Rams team. There's no Brandon Cooks. There's no there's no deep threat here. Like, what's what's going on? What are they doing? Uh, Andy brought up that during the Senior Bowl, Van Jefferson uh, on the GPS tracking showed up as one of the fastest players in that uh, in that draft class. So Maybe you get something different out of him. Maybe he's the guy who adds that deep element because obviously they don't have a whole lot of uh, cap space or or draft capital to add. Uh, you know, a, sort of a. Uh, I mean, they can draft like a John Hightower type or something on day three, but that's about that's about it. And uh, I mean, as long as as long as Les Snead's going to sit here like a coward, just clinging on to that twenty twenty four first round pick. I mean, what what are you going to do? You, I, I, I wanted them to to do a clean sweep so that they would not have. It, it would have been what two weeks after the inauguration, and they would not have had a first round pick throughout the Biden administration. That would have been it's, phenomenal. And they're almost there, though. I mean, you know, at this point, are we putting it past them? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. And look, it's it's a it's a franchise that is obviously putting a lot of stock into coaching and development and you saw it it, it worked on defense uh it, you know yes Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey but uh Darius Williams uh, you know uh, Jordan Fuller I mean these guys who are costing them next to nothing who emerge as uh, valuable contributors on that team I it it from that sense, it works. Where it really hadn't worked the last couple of years is on the offensive line where, you know, a guy like Joseph Noteboom, who is sort of, you know, okay, well, this guy will take over for Whitworth one day, just didn't really work out. You know, David Edwards on the interior, Ben Powers, uh, you know, you, you don't need world beaters necessarily, but it's it's not great. 
And uh, I think you sort of saw it affect their approach and their play calling and really the way that golf played uh, coming way back to the point that I started to, to make like two hours ago now. Uh, <laughs> and the way that golf played once Whitworth went down and the protection wasn't as steady. I think in Stafford, you have a guy who is better. Uh, well, I don't think he is much better late in the down. I don't know how good he is as he gets into his mid thirties. Maybe that goes away a little bit, but he's certainly a guy who gives you a chance uh, when things sort of break down and you need that second reaction play, I, that was never that was never Jared Goff. It was never going to be Jared Goff in all likelihood. Uh, it can be Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm curious where you land. Uh, I know you uh, drift towards the uh, the esoteric, but are you like are are you all in on this uh, first round picks don't matter thing? I mean, th- I, I feel like that would kind of be your thing, right? I, I feel like that that would be your take on this. Like this you're is, you're 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 on board with this. This is uh, I, I probably fall on that side of it. I obviously I wouldn't I wouldn't say that uh, flat out. I, I do think first round picks get overrated. I think people sort of let their imaginations run away with them when uh, when it comes to that stuff. But um, the one thing, and it was funny. I I, I wish I remember who the conversation was because it's two people I I like on Twitter who were, were kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of dumb that you know we say uh, pick now is worth more than a pick later because like what's the difference? You know that sort of thing. It's like well the difference is you. you you're going to play games this year. Like you're, right. <laughs> you're trying to win games. I mean, I've, I've said on this podcast before, if they ever let me on open floor, uh, sports Illustrated's NBA podcast, I would, I would say this, uh, if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan, you lost like five years of your life. That was like your team was contracted and just went away. Like it was, mm-hmm. was that worth it? Because the team you broke down, you broke down because they couldn't get past Game 7 of the conference semifinals, and now it's 12 years later, and you have a team that has yet to get past Game 7 of the conference semifinals. And and in there, you had five years of literally unwatchable basketball. So that that's that's a that's a tangent that I will wrap up right now. But uh, people just sort of lose fact of you know like yes you know let's let's build this thing long term. Let's let's you know make sure we're we're monitoring what's uh, what's going to happen in 2022-2023. But it's like you're still you're going to play sixteen games next year. Like try and try and win them. It's fun watching your favorite team win a football game. It. it- it makes me mad when I think about the real life analogy though, where it's like the Rams are like the guy who like, he's just like, yeah, I like reversed double reversed and then unreversed my mortgage. And now I've refinanced it six times and I have a mansion and it's like, and he's like, and, and, and it, and it didn't add any money to the payment. And you know, he doesn't understand how it works. Right. And, um, you know, like this person will be like one day, uh, in a lot of, in a lot of trouble but you know in the meantime you're like man they got a great house you know they've they've done all these in, insane things you know and uh mm-hmm. and that's what the rams are now and it's frustrating because they're probably right like all the people last night who were arguing that you know first round picks don't really matter and that you know they're buying it's essentially a version of what um the seahawks and the patriots have been doing anyway and so why is this any different i know they're right but at the same time it's like frustrating to me because it's like not not totally the responsible thing to do, you know? Like, yeah. my, my thing is, if, what is your greatest asset? Like, if you're Stan Kroenke and you're looking at your team and you're saying, 10 years from now, 
what is going to be the thing that I look back on and say that was the most important thing? And it's undoubtedly Sean McVay, because Sean McVay is probably still going to be there, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years from now. He's one of the two or three coaches that I would look at in the NFL right now and say, that guy's probably still going to be there unless he burns out or unless another team trades for them to get trades for him to give them some of the picks back that they lost. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that once this is over, this little window of time, you uh, you're you're in a in a boatload of trouble. That said, I said that about the Buccaneers at the beginning of this season, and look at how dumb mm. I looked then too. So I I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. If you go for it and it works, it's great. And if not, you know, you get fired. You know, but but that's like that is the ludicrousness of the NFL, right? If you're a general manager like Les Need, and you're feeling the heat. A little bit, right? And a lot of the things that you've done are the things that are wrong. Giving Jared Goff the contract was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that was now 23 draft picks that you've spent for three guys that are actively on the roster. That's wrong. Eventually, this is all, these all are all going to be breadcrumbs that, that go back to you. And then what, what do you do? You get to freak out and spend two more draft picks on Matthew Stafford. Like, it's an amazing thing. Like, it's like, it's like having a lame duck president with the nuclear codes, which I guess we do. Um, you know, and we do allow them to have them until like the last day. But like, why? That just seems totally crazy to me. If you're an owner, you should be sitting next to your general manager if if they're even the least bit embattled every day, and just be like, "Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing with that phone? Who are you calling? You going to trade another? You going to trade two more picks? I don't think so. You got to talk to me about it now." Um, but no, nobody does that. They just like Mike McCagnan, um, you know, with the Jets feeling the heat. Okay, uh, you know, hey, owner, I'm, I'm going to go get Le'Veon Bell for $60 million. That doesn't seem like a good idea, but yeah, sure, whatever. And, you know, and then you fire him three months later. Like, this is this is the ludicrousness of the NFL where we're allowing these guys to basically push everything onto black for one last spin on the roulette wheel because they, they know that if they screw, if they don't, they won't be back. And it's like, it's this crazy thing that we allow to continuously happen. Like, nobody's managing the general managers. They're out of control. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I uh, I agree with that. I also I really hope that sort of the next twist in this thing is next off season after Matthew Stafford shines, they uh, they go ahead and just trade Sean McVay for for more draft capital and <laughs> turns and it out all ends we up didn't okay. Need him. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, so as far as the Lions go in this thing, uh, I just want to say, look, you sort of got the sense this was trickling out. Like uh, you know, the trade was announced Saturday around like. 10 o'clock Eastern time here. Uh, Thanks, Lions, were, by the way. Yeah. The, uh, the reports on Friday were that, you know, Matthew Stafford considered the Rams a contender. It seemed like Stafford was was very intent on going to the Rams. And, uh, you know, a couple, couple reports trickled out that maybe teams had better offers on the table, but this is where Stafford wanted to go, and the Lions did right by him. And, um, again, you could have milked it for every last dollar. You probably could have gotten slightly more draft capital. These picks likely, likely are going to end up being in the 20s. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. There's just there's something nice about just <laughs> doing, doing right by the guy who you just sort of uh, made suffer through this torturous uh, uh, four-year run there. All it took was Dan Campbell to, for the franchise to erase their history of just maniacally toying with their greatest players and making them feel horrible, right? You ask Calvin yeah. Johnson to give them give them your money back. Um, you totally alienate Barry Sanders, like after he retires, and so this time they were like, "Well, let's uh, 
let's make it not like that anymore. Uh, like, let's make this a place where people actually want to play and won't be like Matt Stafford, where, you know, the second we draft you, you're looking around saying, God, this sucks, and I'm trying to get out of here. So good for them. I thought that was, I agree. I thought that was nice. Um, the one thing that I don't think is like, that I don't love from uh, the Detroit angle of this is like, you 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 know how this business works. Like every time a trade like this happens, there is the obvious correct point of view, and then somebody has to aggressively contrarianize this thing. Mm-hmm. And there's like all these golf truther truthers that have emerged and <laughs> said like that he's going to be a top ten quarterback next year, like w- with this offense, and that he he'll, he'll be in the playoffs next year and. That I don't get. I mean, I I know why it's happening uh, because if it happens, you look. It, it's a it's a yes. It's, it's a safe bet, right? Like if it happens, you're gonna look great. It endears you to the Lions and Goff, and that's a good thing to be if you're in our business. And you know, but otherwise, like, where is this coming from? I I, I don't I I don't understand this at all. Uh, he put up great numbers a couple years ago. And, and look, it is within the realm of possibilities out there. Could the Lions make the play? Yeah, I mean, they're competitive enough, I guess, that, you know, if, <laughs> if you simulated... In the league. Yeah, if, if you... That's the thing. If you simulated the season, like, 300 times, I think you'd come up with scenarios where, like, all 32 teams make the playoffs at some point. So, you know, is this... Uh, they're still professional football players. They are, they, you know, that they can... They have not been relegated. Exactly. Like, it, you know... Sure. Yeah, they could go nine and seven and steal a play. The the Bears made it last year. I mean, yeah, you could you could look at the lines that way. I don't really see a scenario. I I, I think golf maybe in four or five years tops out as like a Kirk Cousins type. I don't think he's on Kirk Cousins level right now, um, which which is part of the problem. And I am someone who uh, I had no problem with them giving him the extension. I thought they had the right coach quarterback marriage. Uh, I was fine with them committing to him and it just, it clearly was not working the last couple of years. Yeah. No, that's an interesting comparison. I mean, I, I have been thinking like if you're Detroit, do you, do you draft a quarterback this year? You know, because that was the other part of this was like immediately everyone was saying, well, Goff is the unquestioned starter. Um, you know, is he that much better than, let's say, a Trey Lance if who's if he's around during that time or, um, you know, Mac Jones or anything like that? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, you know, I really haven't had time to watch the college quarterbacks yet, but it is an interesting thing right what is the lions's evaluation of golf long term you have the guy who drafted golf um, as your new general manager in detroit so obviously we're gonna kind of learn a little bit more about that as it goes along but i don't know kirk cousins is an interesting comp though like at your highest end he's gonna be kirk cousins like do you take that if you're detroit or is kirk cousins almost like that that good but not great barometer that you're trying to break through. Uh, yeah, that's you know? it, that's that's the other thing about this quarterback market. The last couple of years, three years ago, Kirk Cousins was like, "Well, yeah, man, like he can, he'll run your offense. You you can have a basic level of functionality. You're not uh, you're not going back to Christian Ponder or whatever it might be." Uh, it was a challenge for everyone to just get a solid baseline level starter, and I think Kirk Cousins is a little bit better than that, but. Um, now it's just kind of it's turned into uh, you need more than that, and especially if you're the Rams, you need more than that. You know, Kirk, what's your best? What's your favorite fast casual place? Like 
I'm talking long Longhorn Steakhouse, Olive Garden, that kind of thing. Like of that category, like chain, um, Waiter side of come, the highway. Wait staff comes to your table? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd have to go uh, probably Outback. Yeah. I Yeah. I'm there. Red Lobster, maybe mm-hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, that's what Kirk Cousins is, right? Like you're driving around and you're saying, okay, you know, there's there's a Zagat rated place, but like we have to know the password and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we have to be wearing like the Chuck Taylors with no laces in order for them to let us in. Or <laughs> we can have a fine meal at Outback Steakhouse and 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 it and it'll be okay. And that's Kirk Cousins. Like and and that and and so at best that's Jared Goff, right? And we've seen that, that he can get you to the Super Bowl, but you have to have a f- tremendous coach and excellent talent. Um so I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, I I will say that the Anthony Lynn factor intrigues me here because I don't think he got nearly enough credit for the, his work with Justin Herbert and mm-hmm. maybe that uh you know Maybe that comes to fruition as well. So, yeah, I uh, I do really like the prospect of Trey Lance there. Uh, I, I think Lance in, in an Anthony Lynn offense is is, is a really nice fit there. But uh, as far as getting golf, and and look, it, well, let me ask you this: What do you consider the golf part of this deal? Golf for a third was that sort of the? Uh, I mean, the Rams had to move golf here for for cap purposes but do you consider the trade basically okay one part is the two ones for stafford and the other part is uh gives a third rounder and we'll take golf off of your hands like i thought you know that was my immediate thought right was if you're um you know if you're the lions then do you immediately utilize these things and and start and start flipping them again, you know? Um, but it, it, it doesn't seem to be the case. Like I, you know, I know that has to happen, um, in a lot of places, like you can't be as cold as the Browns were when they acquired Brock Osweiler and said, we're just really excited about this second round pick. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, um, and, and they didn't go that route. So I don't know, maybe it, uh, maybe it is all about golf for the future. Who knows? But I, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I'd like to see Trey Lance anywhere. That is the one quarterback that I've watched a lot of so far. And man, mm-hmm. is he just fun to watch? Yeah, it was not quite Osweilerian. Osweilerian, as far as that trade goes with golf, but it it, it had that sense. Yeah. 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 I like it. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I guess the nice thing is you have golf there. There's no shame in, in Jared Goff being one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. No. And, and now you sort of put yourself in position. If you love Trey Lance, maybe you got to move up a couple spots to get him. Now you have the ammo to do that. If uh, if you don't care for Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, you could just say, well, we'll hang on until next year. And uh, uh, we got a little bit of extra draft capital if we have to jump around a year from now. So not, uh, not a bad spot. No. Well, yes and no. Like well. I'm, I'm thinking... <laughs> Well, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm looking now at like um, uh, like NFL Fast R has like expected points added and completion percentage over expectation, the composite, which I think is a pretty complete way of grading and a fair way of grading a quarterback throughout the season, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it does take into account situational stuff. And so, you know, Stafford is the 20th best uh, quarterback right behind Gardner Minshew. Um, and then Goff is 23rd, but once you get beyond Goff, right, it, it drops off a cliff in terms of like it's, it's teams that are just completely hopeless at the position, right? It was, uh, Andy Dalton to a tongue Nick Foles, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, and Carson Wentz, right? So if that's like, 
I mean, if you're the Lions, that's a way to think about it too. It's like, yeah, this is a guy, but like there are also not very many guys who are worse than he is. You know, like he's <laughs> he's fine, but like there's there's also like a lot more better people than him, and we should be looking for one of those guys. Yeah, fair enough. I'll go with that. Uh, I didn't think this really. Uh, look, the other big story: Sean Watson is on the market. You might have heard something about it, but uh, I don't really think this trade affected the Watson market except for the I fact don't either. That now, you know, if the Rams were going to be in on it, they are obviously not going to be in on it, but uh I thought two ones for Stafford was about what he'd get. Uh and you know, whatever, when people sort of throw out you know, well, three ones for for Watson Ones have different values. If you get the Jets one this year, if you get the Dolphins one, if you get the Falcons one, those are high number one picks. Once you trade Deshaun Watson, if you trade Deshaun Watson to the 49ers uh, and take their 2022, 23, and 24 first rounders, you're probably not getting very high first round picks. You're getting second round picks, basically second round picks. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, that was another like contrarian take. Um, that drove me nuts on Saturday, like people just pushing their glasses up from their nose and saying, well, obviously this means Sean Watson is not going to get traded. Uh, Of course it does. Like he hates it there and he doesn't want to play there. And uh, the Texans are just going to let him sit there um, and have this poor man, David Culley, like this seemingly uh, friendly old guy answer questions about him every single day for months and months and months while they're trying to build a a, a team and a culture it's a horrendous idea they're gonna trade him i think so um and i think they're gonna trade him to the jets but um i yeah i i, I agree i think that uh, stafford uh, the uh, i think there were some additional capital being thrown in there because of the salary digestion aspect of it. Um, so in that sense, I think that you almost take that trade and you put that on an island. If you're any team that's dealing with the Texans, I think you start from the foundational conversations that you've been having. I, you know, I, I, I think that there are, is precedent, you know, sure. And I think that some of that stuff does follow, um, you know, a linear line there, but I think the Stafford trade is just different because there were so many different aspects to it. There's a ridiculous salary. There was a quarterback who wasn't that talented involved um, in the deal, and and that complicates things. Like you know, there was also precedent. You know, is you know how much better is Matt Stafford than Alex Smith? And Alex Smith went to a team for a third round pick not too long ago. You know what I mean? And so I I I, I, I reject the idea that this in any way makes us think that Deshaun Watson isn't getting dealt. Maybe because I just want him to be dealt so badly. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I, I do want to throw. In, I think Stafford is much better than Alex Smith was a couple of years ago in that Super Bowl uh, swap. I, I'm excited about the prospect of Stafford with the Rams. I was not excited about the uh, prospect of Alex Smith sort of being the bridge guy uh, in Washington and what ended up being True. sort of a, a, you know, sort of a punchless offense there. But yeah, the Watson stuff. The only thing I'll, I'll put out there is the Texans have just been such a strange organization for the past couple of years. I guess I wouldn't put anything past them. They are losing badly in the court of public opinion, and they seem to not care. <laughs> and I don't know what the end game becomes. Like, at what point? Uh, because there is something you said for, look, this new CBA put in all these new rules to keep guys from holding out and, and forcing uh, teams' hands. And uh, that was very important to the owners. And to basically lose this very high-profile battle in the in the first year of it would be damaging not just 
to the Texans. Well, even if it's logical for the Texans, but they might find it damaging. But it's kind of damaging for the league as a whole. It it would be extraordinarily damaging. And I think that, you know, what began with Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, uh, uh, some of those guys in Jacksonville that forced their way off the roster and got what they wanted. Antonio Brown in a different time before, you know, we really kind of found out what his deal was. I, you know, there is a mounting ability to just kick and scream your way off a roster. And I do think it's scaring the crap out of these guys. And Deshaun Watson will be the test case for that. Right. Um, you know, but I don't know what else you do. Like, if you're the NFL as a whole, as a business, you have to then also decide, do I want one of my five best players just not playing because of a contractual, um, you know, hissy fit? Like, wouldn't we rather just see him somewhere else? And from a business standpoint, Mm. which I think this all comes down to, um, like, they're not going to care about individual markets because you all divvy up the revenue, right? And what's the most popular sport for the growing, uh, like, the Gen Z people? Is that yeah, what's after me? I think we're on Z. I think we're on Z, Z now. And yeah. then what happens after that? I don't know. Double A? Yikes. Um, yeah. Well, you know, Gen Z and beyond, the most popular sports are esports and the nba and the reason is player movement right and Mm -hmm. constant player movement you know people don't care about a team anymore like they don't they really don't they care about where the best fantasy football players go or their their favorite players in madden go and putting them in different uniforms and helmets and that's a bigger deal to people and so i think the nfl would much rather see deshaun watson wearing another uniform than to have him just completely wasting away and us getting 16 games of well, I don't know. Maybe Josh McCown comes back off the coaching side and uh, plays quarterback <laughs> for the Texans. I don't know what their plan is a quarterback at this point. So, yeah, I, I I do think their plan at coach is Josh McCown is a coach in waiting here, which is why they, which is why they hire. You know, their finalists are both sixty something year old guys. And if I was Eric Bieniemy, I don't know if he was interested anyway in this position, but uh, I think the way they messaged the Josh McCown interview sort of spelled out. If you take this job, you will be handing it over to this guy soon. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's an interesting way to, uh, I've never been on a job interview like that. When I interviewed with the MMQB, they didn't, uh, they didn't show me a, a, a punk college student that I would eventually have to turn the, uh, turn the hot mm-hmm. take blog over to. I'm glad they didn't, you know, that would have been a, that would have been difficult for me to digest at the time. No, we'll uh, we'll tap you on the shoulder and just one day you, you'll never <laughs> it'll, see it coming. It'll be, it'll be much colder than that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to scri- subscribe to this feed. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weekside Podcast and the Albert Breer Show. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, leave a rating and review for all of them, please. It really does help other people find the shows, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.